In 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 27, Paul says, I discipline my body and make it my slave. You know, we often forget, guys, that God has called us to steward the bodies he gave us so that we'll be ready, healthy, and spiritually dangerous to fight the good fight, whether it's working at your job, serving your God, protecting your bride, or being a great dad to your kids. That's why we're so excited to partner with Mountain Tough Fitness Lab. Mountain Tough Fitness Lab is run by Christian men who are passionate about training you to be your best version and to stay dangerous and ready for God. Join me on my journey by going to mountaintough.com. That's M-T-N-T-O-U-G-H and getting your free six-week trial when you type in the code ARENA30. You won't be disappointed. Stay dangerous. Welcome to the Man Card Podcast, where we focus on real men doing real life in real time while living in the stress bubble of life. Males are born. Men are made. We're going to separate the men from the boys. A man is as a man does. We want to help you to become the best version of you. Theodore Roosevelt spoke about this rare breed, saying, The credit belongs to the man who is actually in the arena, whose face is marred by dust and sweat and blood the man card belongs to those protecting integrity fighting apathy pursuing god passionately leading courageously and finishing strong a man is as a man does enjoy today's episode men in the arena we We salute salute you. you Hey, guys, we, we're 0 for 2 on this thing. Hey, we are in this arena together, guys. We are so stoked that you are with us today. You have jumped out of the anonymous stands and into the fray of manhood in the arena where there is blood and sweat and tears. So welcome, guys, to this episode of the Man Card Podcast. Today we're all about calling you into the arena, to places where you've never ventured before. We want to call you out of everything that's hindering you from your apathy, from your complacency. We want to call you out of everything hurting you from becoming the best version of you. And guys, we want to call you up to the highest level of manhood that you can attain. I'm Jim Ramos, and I'm here with our producer and my bruh, bruh. Dale Culver. I, I I don't know what that's kind of like a Hawaiian thing, man. Did you? I like it. Kind bro. of. Kind of. Well, I was gonna go with brother, but brother. I think we did that already. I like it. So my bruh, my mm-hmm. bruh. You and know, it's B R U H. Bruh, bruh, yeah. not bra, but bruh. Nah, I would not call you my bra because mm. I wear a bro. Yes, not you, a bra, and you should it's too, a bro. Especially when you it's run. It's a bro. Mm-hmm. Especially when I run. Yeah, yep. I, yeah. I'm allergic to running. <laughs> Whenever I do that, I wheeze and, and fall over backwards and die. You so. better wear that sports bra. Uh, sports bra. bro. Sports bro. <laughs> bro, yeah. Uh-huh. Man, hey, I'll tell you what, I'm excited. It's uh, Again, it's no Neil November, That's right. and I'm excited to be given a free download of our bathroom book for men. It's our 365-day study of masculine words in Scripture. So if you're a vet and you want to get a hold of that for free, uh, just ship me an, uh, an email or contact us through our app or through our webpage. We will get that to you. If you want a hard copy that is signed, it'll cost you 10 bucks, baby. Uh, we'll just It'll pay for the shipping and the cost of the book, but traveling we'll get that to fee. you. It's a traveling expense. For the diesel it's, to get the UPS tra- truck to your house. It's, it's a, yes, it's a traveling yeah. tax. Oh, diesel and fee. also, I'm excited about our man, uh, Men in the Arena Facebook page. It's a closed group. 
It's something we just started. It's a way for us to train the men to have open forum discussions about what a man is and does. And I'm hoping to see 30,000 guys on that thing the next couple of years. So super excited about that. And I'm excited about your man word today. Mm-hmm. So you've got Dave, we've got David Hoyt on the line. David, how you doing, man? I'm doing great. All Thanks right, for having me. Hey, I'm excited to have you, man. I mean, I'm staring at the background of it. he's got behind him. He's got a a wall of footballs and a, a wood duck stuffed, and and I bet you got a few John Maxwell books up behind there. And so, uh, super excited to have you. Maybe a little bit of silo, little silo book up there with Patrick Lancioni. Oh yeah, it's all there. I know. I've read a couple of his books. I just can't remember what they are now. How I many just, footballs I, are in there? There's a lot of footballs, so I'm excited. So, so, uh, so what we do, uh, David, is Pat, uh, Dale has a man word, and I try to guess the man word based on our guest. <laughs> so I'm going to try to guess the man word based on you as our guest, and I'm O for everyone so far. <laughs> I'm, fa- I'm fascinated what it's going to be. Okay. I, I want to play along. I want to guess, too. Okay, so okay, you want to guess? So what do you think? What word? Don't show him. Don't look. He's guessing. Don't show him. It's like cheating. All right, Jimmy can't see that far. So were you going to guess that? Okay, he won't either. Okay, so here's my guess. Ready, (laughs) coach, coach. Oh man, that is so close. But no, it's not. No, dude, whatever. Coach, coach. Don't. I hope you're picking words that match David and not like trying to fool me. Oh well, I would. No, actually, this uh, is this word David approved. Good, wouldn't you say, David? Wouldn't you say? What was? Oh yeah, it's a very good word. I just wouldn't have guessed it, but I like it. I do like it. Okay, I think it describes him to a T. Bald? Whoa, dude! (laughs) I thought you were going to say full hawk. We got to get that thing shaved, baby. I'm I'm serious. That's or you know what I'll do? I'll grow mine. And yeah. then you can grow yours. Don't and then grow I'll yours. I'll have like a horse. It's a. Uh-uh. I have like a landing strip. It'll be I'm awesome. I'm not gonna hang out. With It'll you. be awesome. It'll look it like Dave Ramsey. No. The Dave Ramsey haircut. <laughs> no. So yeah. He's a handsome man. <laughs> he is a handsome man. All bald men are handsome men. Uh, I had somebody tell me at Starbucks the other day. I made a comment. Hey, it's my Dick Butt cashier. She said what? I said yeah, I'm 51. She goes, you look like you're 36. It's when you're bald, you just don't look as old. Right. I'm serious. Okay. What's your man word today, buddy? It's enterprising. Enterprising, yeah. How do you have to clap that one out to get the syllables? I mean, enterprising. What? I, I'm really confused. Why would <laughs> you select that word. word as a man word? Well, because it also describes adventurous, ambitious, aspiring, daring. Well, and and our guest here, dashing. Da- he's dashing. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, I would just diligent, never... hardworking, oh, wow. industrious. So those kind of things, like. Um, you know, there's a lot that goes into like being resourceful and and making stuff happen that a lot of guys won't do, and they'll just go, "I'm just going to go get a job, punch a clock, go home, and down down on the couch, live for the weekend." Oh, I got you. Well, you know, and I think of David Hoyt. I I don't think of enterprising. I don't know him, but I think of James T. Kirk when I hear the word enterprising. Oh my God. That to boldly go where no man has gone before. Well, you would. That just comes There's up. There's a lot of words I say that you think so, is something else. But yeah, that is true. But <laughs> I, no, I appreciate that word, man. I mean, I don't ever use that word in a sentence, but <laughs> I think a man is. I think a man is a problem solver. Yeah. He finds a way to get the job done. Yo, I'll solve it. What? I was just throwing that out there, a little vanilla ice. What, what did you say? Yo, I'll solve it. Oh, my gosh. I. I hate when he does that, David. Well, you're a product of the 90s, so you might know. You, know, you got a problem? Yo, I'll solve it. Okay, that's better. All right. There I, it is. I, I could understand at that time. Yeah. I thought he was doing some weak sauce derivative of YOLO. Yeah, well, <laughs> when you're a bra, you know, that you just kind of talk like that hey, sometimes. Don't, hey, don't be dissing my Hawaiian bras. 
dude. Don't even go there because uh, the Hawaiians, man, they stick together. You should probably get so going with the podcast I think I'm going to move here. to Hawaii. Yeah. I like them better or than the you. Or the podcast. So. Okay, so hey, guys, we, I'm excited today. We got a guy on, David Hoyt, and a David is a 43-year-old guy. Uh, he spent 20 years working in John Maxwell's inner circle. So, man, I'd, I'd love to just pick your brain about that experience. What an awesome experience. Uh, in the last year, uh, he spent as principal consultant with the Table Group, which is Patrick Lancioni's organization. Uh, Patrick wrote uh, Silos and many, many other books on leadership. And uh, he's also now, he's a life planner and executive coach, lives in Cummins, Georgia, which is a little bit outside of Atlanta. He's been married 21 years. He's got his daughter, Gracie, who's 15, and Andrew, his son, who is 13. And uh, David, man, it's an honor to have you on, man. How cool. Thank you. I love, by the way, I love your answer. This just fires me up. I can sit here and like listen to this, be part of this all day. I love it. <laughs> well, we're going to fire you up right now, bro, because I, I forgot to tell you about this. We're going to move into what we call our rapid fire round. We're going to, for you, my friend, I picked what I call the word association round. And in okay. true Dale Culver format, one of the words is two words, but I'll put a hyphen in front of it. And Dale does that. He makes, he combines words with a hyphen. <laughs> right. And so, uh, it's part of being a genius. So I've picked words I thought you would appreciate. And so what I want you to do in this word association round is I want you to tell me the first thing that comes to your mind <laughs> when I say that word or words. All this right. It'd be scary. I hope Got it. this I, could be really scary. Let's go. <laughs> Here we go. First word is life coach. Life coach. I Too guess sad. I would say me. That feels weird to say though. That's the first thing that popped into my mind. So what is a life coach? To me, it's it's somebody who's walking alongside somebody else um, and bringing a fresh perspective, asking unique questions to help them gain perspective on their life that otherwise they may not, may not be able to have on their own. Oh, that is that so felt like good. a real serious answer, but no, that's, that's, that's what I think it is. But I like that F asking fresh questions. You know, I have guys I meet with weekly and we ask the same questions over yeah, and over. They are pretty old. Can yeah. you come up with some new ones for <laughs> I me? Well, when you have fresh eyes on something, you can get a different perspective of right. it. So, man, I really appreciate that. Okay, next word, next word. And again, I'm going off to some of the stalking I did on social media and on your website, David Hoyt. Is it DavidHoyt.com? Uh, David S. Hoyt. David S. David Hoyt. David Hoyt was taken, unfortunately. Oh, okay. Okay. So the next word is this, David. Leisure. Leisure. Uh, something I love. So I would say travel. Love travel, love experiences. That's the first thing that comes to my, my mind. What's your favorite place? I have a second oh, one. Go for it. Troy, is that allowed? Yes. Eno. I love Eno's. So I think leisure, kicking back, stretching out. Do you know what an Eno is? Oh, no. it's a hammock. It's a hammock. Yeah. Yeah. I yeah. actually, yeah, I'm asking for that for Christmas. You're going to love it. I've got to, I've got to get a two person one though. Cause I'm uh, uh what's the word? Husky. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Eno's. I, yeah, I knew it. Dale didn't know that word. I was thinking of Kino. What is a Kino? A gambling thing? Yeah. Oh, gosh. Okay. I, yeah. So what, where's your favorite? If you could go, uh, this is just, I'm just curious here, David. Where Where is your, your favorite place to vacation with your wife? We love uh, Pebble Beach, Carmel, California. I love from Carmel, honestly, I love the Pacific Northwest. I know you guys are in Oregon. Yeah. I mean, from Carmel all the way up through Vancouver is my favorite place on the on the planet. But if I had to pick just one place, it's Carmel and Pebble Beach. Okay, I grew up in Morro Bay, two hours down the road. 
Okay. Yeah, I went to high school down there. That's too funny. Okay, third word, man. Are you ready for this one? Identity. 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 That's so – this is a serious word. Here, here's what it is for me. I think for us to be ultimately the men that God has called us to be, we've got to get really, really, really clear on what our identity is. So for me, part of my story, and we may get into that later, but was um, loss of identity. Number one is not having a clear identity, and then loss of identity, and then finding uh, of identity. But as men, I think it's it's at our core, foundational, that we understand our identity and how God views us. Wait, can you say those three things again relating to identity? Oh, shoot. You said loss um, of your identity. Did you say clear? Yeah, get a for, clear? clear? <clears throat> yeah, number one is I don't ever think I had clarity on my identity. Okay. I, I, first. Secondly, I there was a season in life where I began to understand identity, and I thought I had a heart-level understanding of identity. I really did. Then I went through a season where very clearly I lost my identity, and then it was a rediscovering. And my hope is, <laughs> my hope is that this time around, I've truly um, found it, and it's gone from my head to my heart. The one of the big epiphanies I had was, I had true. I believe I had truth around identity in my head, but when I went through a major season of transition, um, I realized it was head knowledge. It wasn't heart knowledge. And that's where I feel like I lost my identity, or maybe I never truly had latched onto it. Well, David, you know, I, I don't know if you know you know this, but I had reached out to John Maxwell for our podcast, and uh, John couldn't come, and they gave me your name. And so I went and researched you, and what you just said resonated so powerfully with me, I thought I have to get this guy in my podcast. And so that's why I threw that word in. So uh, thank you, my friend. I so, So fourth word is leader. You work for John Maxwell. I've got to use that word, right? Yeah. So <laughs> there's two words that come to my mind. One is John Maxwell. How about that? And secondly, <laughs> I would say, I would say influence. John teaches, and I believe leaders equals influence. Now, I for some reason now Heibel said something very close to that. They're always stealing from each other, right? So <laughs> that's so true. Hey, one of my I don't want to take us on a rabbit trail too much, but when I first worked for John, this was, you know, close to 20 years ago. We used to do this two-day seminar called Leading and Communicating to Change Lives. And it was John and Bill. They do, you know, John would do a session, Bill would do a session. Yeah. They do a little bit together. It was unbelievable because those guys, their wiring temperaments, personality could not be more different, but both exceptional leaders. So all the stuff we've done, we've done I mean, countless types of events. That right there is one of my favorite, getting the two of them together. Oh, man, I wish I could have been at that. So that leads me to my next word. And again, this is, uh, you know, thrown out there because I was a John Maxwell protege through his Enjoy Life Club tapes back in the late 90s, early 2000s. The word is success. Success. The first thing that comes to my mind is significance. And John talks about, and I believe is ultimately we want to take a journey from success to significance. Mm -hmm. Success oftentimes being um, uh, what we accomplish and almost about ourselves or for ourselves, where significance is about others. So for me, success is hopefully a stepping stone ultimately to significance. Well, John, John uh, defines success at one point as uh, knowing your purpose in life, 
growing to your, I think it's maximum or full potential and right. sowing seeds that benefit others. Is that, is that still his that, working definition? So, it so my question is. is, so that sowing seeds that benefit others, would you say that is synonymous with significance? I would. I okay. absolutely would. And, and the kind of the final piece to it is where you turn around. So you know your purpose in life. You know your, and to me, I'd add even beyond purpose. I think purpose is foundational, but also knowing your core talents, your strengths, where where you can make the greatest impact on people. Um, growing those things, maximizing those things for the sake of then sowing seeds that benefit others for you, whatever you're gifted in, whatever your heart's for, you're turning it around in the service of others. Oh man, that's so good, man. I'm resonating with you right now. So now on your, on your website, davidshoyt.com, you listed your strengths and that came from strength finders, I think, right? Yeah, that's right. Now I think I haven't looked at this lately, but I think one of those strengths in that test is significance. Correct? Is that one of them? It's something I, like it's that. Not, um, so maximizer, uh, positivity, achiever, strategic, and competition or competitive are my five uh, strengths according to Strengths Finder. Well, maybe that that probably had to do with passion and, and what's meaningful to me. The whole significance. Thing. Oh no! What I'm saying is that was one of mine. Ah, I got you. So I always thought I was a, you know, I always thought, oh, everybody has a passion to be significant. Mm -hmm. But reality is showing me that that's not true with men. Or mm -hmm. or my question for you, uh, David, or is it true, but they've been robbed of the passion to be significant? What have you found out there as you lead coach men yeah. and as you've worked in the leadership community for the last 20 years? Yeah, I think, so I, I equate significance with purpose in life. Oh. And to me, so, so number one, I think it starts with identity and, and how I define identity is how does God view me? So that's foundational and that's at the core. The next layer out is purpose. A um, couple of personal beliefs around purpose. Uh, most people, um, I believe, I believe we all have a unique life purpose. I also believe that there are times where in our life where we may begin to realize that there's a deeper meaning to our life. Um, I think most people don't know how to discover it. And so they ultimately use white noise. They use the things of this world. They use entertainment, you know, success, a zillion different things to create so much busyness and white noise in their life that they never go deep and go on the journey of discovering that purpose. I think that there's a smaller percentage of men that at some point this pinging in their soul drives them to a point to say, I got to go on a, a, a discovery process. And then I believe when, we, when, when our heart is to discover our purpose, I think God wants us to know our purpose. I think we will discover it, but it's a journey of discovery and I think the vast majority of people never even take that journey. It's just living moment to moment, day to day, kind of entertainment or success to success without ever going deep and saying, why am I here? Why did God create me? How am I uniquely gifted to impact other people on the planet? Um, and to me, that's a tragedy. And I'm very passionate about people helping people, specifically men, discover that unique purpose and calling. That is so good, man. And I and I know this has come out of your own journey. I want to read something yeah. 
uh, that I pulled off your website, and it might be raw and create emotion, but I'm going to read this anyway, and I want to ask you about this statement. And on your website, you said this, my identity had gotten wrapped up in what I was doing and who Mm -hmm. I was doing it for, that I had lost my way. I had pain and grief to face from past rejection, feelings of inadequacy, and loss of identity. The back half of 2016 was filled with a time alone with God in the mountains, inner reflection, tears, and listening to my soul, all the while having a quiet whisper of, quote, redeeming pain is your platform to influence, end of quote. As my wife Lori says, I was becoming a better version of myself. I just want to tell you, man, that resonates so deeply with me. I really appreciate that on a leadership page, the authenticity, uh, the vulnerability here, uh, a lot of people would see that as, oh, this is a, a chink in his armor. This is a flaw. I would say this is a, a probably the greatest strength that you bring to the table. So can you talk us through this? When we see, uh, hey, working for John Maxwell for 20 years as part of his inner yeah. circle, now Patrick Lancioni, I mean, you're playing with the big dogs. But this somehow, but you got to a point in your journey where you were you had lost your way. Can you walk us yeah. through that personal story? Yeah. Uh, you know, to me, it, it truly goes back to childhood. Um, so my dad was a pastor, um, a great man, loves the Lord. Um, so many incredible qualities about him. But the one thing that we never had was a deep, authentic, emotional connection or relationship. Uh, it was a very performance driven home, whether it was academics, uh, whether it was sports, um, and being, uh, pastors family, it was, perception of others of our behavior and performance was a really big deal and i just kind of fell into it i mean it was the home culture and environment that um uh was raised in and so i would find things to just put everything i had into you know it started with basketball it went from basketball to academics and then as i graduated college it went from academics to career financial etc and there was always the main thing that i was going after um, and, uh, I think that was at the, the root of it. it. It was not this soul understanding of God loves me and accepts me just as he made me with the strengths and weaknesses. It was, I've got to perform. I've got to accomplish the next thing. Whatever I've accomplished to this point is nice today, but there's the next goal. There's the next Thing to go accomplish. And ultimately, the, the analogy I use, and this, this began to really hit home for me uh, at the end of 2015, because um, I, I, at the time, I remember looking back in some of the goals that I had 10 or 15 years before, and I'd accomplished most of them. Mm. If you would have 10 or 15 years before described, quote, where I was at in life externally, I would have said, holy cow, like I've made it, I've yeah. arrived. I mean, I'm living my dream. Yeah. And there were a lot of great things about it, but there, when I when I would get a little quiet, and I would pay attention to what was going on in my heart and soul, the analogy I used was it felt like there was a hamster on a wheel, oh. and no matter quote how much was accomplished, it just <laughs> kept going, and I was just beginning to grow weary and tired. Um, and I wanted the hamster to get off the wheel. Um, and that kind of then put me on a a really deep journey of self-discovery and really diving into things that I stuffed before. One final thing and I'll, I'll pause, but I, so I have a strength of positivity. Um, I'm a perseverer 
And so, you know, <clears throat> go through a ne negative set of circumstances. I just powered through. I didn't really slow down to do a lot of reflection and pay attention to what was going on inside of me. I'd stuff the pain and I'd just keep plowing ahead. And I realized, uh, really in hindsight, the toll that it was taking on me. So stuffed it in. Wow, that's I've just got the book in my hand. I was just showing you there, the Strengths Finders book. Yeah. Well, you know, you, you uh, so Dale and I, we can't relate at all to the hamster illustration. So, um, yeah, Dale, I think, is over there wiping his tears away because he's on the wheel right now. Anyway, uh, but you know, you, you hit a chord, and I want to dig into that. But before I dig into that, I want to touch on something that you hit that was personal in my life. So yeah. my son is a I have three sons, 21, uh, 23, 21 and 19. My youngest son is a freshman and he's a starting punter for the uh, Linfield College Wildcats. And they've the, the, they have the longest winning streak in all of college football in America. They've got 62 years in a row of winning streaks. So wow. he's a starting punter as a freshman. And his the, the kicker is probably going to be an All-American this year. And we just realized that both of those two young men are pastor's kids. So in my family, I unknowingly have sent a message to my sons saying it's all about performance. Mm. So I have failed in this area, uh, David. I'm being really honest with you. Mm -hmm. So how can I – so my kids are adults now. They're 23, 21, and 19. Yep. Give me some advice, man-to-man, friend-to-friend. How can I yeah. turn that around now that they're adults so they aren't carrying yeah. the baggage that you're, you carried and having yeah. to deal with a midlife thing at you – know, how can yeah. I help? And, and I'll be honest with you, my dad passed that on to me. So it was very yeah. performance-driven. So how do, yeah. how do I overcome that as a father at this point? Do you have a, any suggestion there? I, I think owning it, just like just what you said there, going to them in humility and vulnerability and saying, you know what? I just came to this revelation, um, and here's what I think I unintentionally did to you and and to apologize for it um and then then work to say okay what do i need to do to change and how i relate to them um where they see the change where they see a shift hmm. in your relationship now i mean the fact that you do this podcast have these conversations there's obviously an in-tuneness and awareness yeah. of the journey of a man that i know you you do yeah and and can relate to them but it's probably that one area of saying, I maybe, uh, and hey, I guarantee your motives were great. You wanted them to be all they can be, all they yeah. got to trade them to be, all the best they can be. Yeah. But I think sometimes in that relationship, from the son perspective, it can come across as a weight and a burden to carry that fathers never intend to do that to their sons. But it's just something about um, a dynamic there that becomes a weight and feeling like I can never hit expectations. That's so good, man. I appreciate that because there, you know, most of our parents, what we've learned and what we're learning is most of the stories we hear are from young men with absentee dads. But mm -hmm. sometimes the dad that is overly engaged can almost bring as much damage uh, through this uh, basically no grace, right? You perform yeah. or else and, and realize yeah. that if, if, if my life was based on performance in God's eyes, I'd be, oh, what's the Greek word? Screwed. <laughs> it wouldn't happen. <laughs> and so um, so I want to go back on <clears> – I want to <throat> – excuse me, I'm, I'm battling a pretty sure. bad cold over here. I want to get back on the hamster wheel, okay? Let's okay. get back on the hamster wheel. In your story, you you spoke about – you identified – again, this is going to go back to your life coaching 
uh, your life uh, planning uh, business. You spoke about uh, two key areas or two key categories in your life, career and finance. But you realized, I think this was part of your epiphany, that you were only achieving two out of the ten. You were missing eight. So yeah. can you off the top of your head, I know I haven't prepped you for this, but what are what are some of those eight categories that you were missing? Yeah. So uh, some of the other eight um, was uh, spiritually, my personal spiritual walk, my relationship Whoa. with my wife, Lori, my relationship uh, with my kids, Gracie and Andrew. And if we come back to it, we may even want to talk about Grace's name and why she's named that because of the breakthrough I had around Grace. Oh, whoa. Uh, there is um, other relationships, other uh, friendships. Um, there's recreation and experiences. Uh, there's um, uh, growth, personal growth. Um, what am I missing there? Oh, there's ministry. Um, oh, yeah. And, th- and there's uh, personal ministry involvement. I think I, oh, and the last one, last one, physical, um, oh, physical yeah. health. That's impressive, man. So, so you were doing all these things that the, the, the world that your, your, your career, your, uh, work coworkers, I mean, you're working for a, a Christian guy. And so these people are applauding you, but you're really dying. Yeah. So where I had this epiphany, um, this was, this was the end of 2002. Uh, there was a guy by the name of Todd Duncan, who, uh, He's a thought leader, sales trainer, et cetera. He had done a lesson called Annual Review with You. And it was an audio lesson. We were past the cassette tapes that you talked about earlier. We were now on the CD. Yeah. <laughs> and I, I listened to the CD and I decided, you know what? I'm going to follow his process at year end between Christmas and New Year's. John Maxwell had done something similar. I kind of learned it from him. And I thought, I'm going to follow Todd's eight hour plan and review my year, plan for my next year. So I, I got away, took the outline, sat down for the eight hours and realized the whole plan was predicated on having a life plan. Now, I never created a life plan for myself. I'd heard the terminology. I had a couple of friends who'd done some kind of a basic life plan. And I think even one or two of them had like sent it to me as an example. And I took that day and I really audible. I, I created the, my first version of the life plan, but it was that day that as I began to reflect on some pretty deep questions looking at my life, that the epiphany was when I look at my goals or look at where I'm really, really intentional, it's either career or financial. And it's not that I didn't have anything going on in the other categories of yeah, life, yeah. but I was, I was nowhere near as intentional as I was. And those were much more backseat priorities. And I didn't, when, I, when we talk about success or significance, they weren't attached to it. It was, unfortunately, a little embarrassing to admit, but it was career and financial was how I measured success um, prior to that epiphany. So that was, wow. you know, when I look at my life um, and talk about major turning points, that was a significant turning point, that revelation, and then working to live intentionally in those other areas of life besides just the career and financial buckets. Wow, that's huge. Hey, we're going to take a, th- a little break here, here from our sponsor, of the Man Card Podcast. We'll be back in just a minute. The Man Card Podcast is sponsored by The Great Hunt for God and its mission to transform lives through teams of men. Because when a man gets it, everyone wins. Start a team in your city today by purchasing our five-volume curriculum appropriately called The Man Card Series at www.thegreathuntforgod.com. You can also find it on The Great Hunt for God app under gear. 
We are a 501c3 nonprofit organization that relies heavily on our monthly financial champions. If this podcast has helped you to get out of the bleachers and into the arena, consider becoming a monthly financial champion and you'll receive the field guide, my bathroom book for men with 365 daily readings. To give, just click the give button on our app or website on the menu drop down. This year will be our first ever Man Card Men's Weekend. If you're interested in hosting a Man Card Men's Weekend with the men in the arena in your city, contact us for available dates. And lastly, go to Facebook and join the Men in the Arena closed group. This is an exciting forum where we'll discuss what a man is and does with men in the arena from all around the world. Thank you again for championing the cause of the great hunt for God. All right. Hey, we're back. And uh, I got a question for you here. Uh, so what does life look like now? So you had this epiphany in 2002, uh, then 2016, yep. you kind of, you sunk into a low point and then you're climbing out of it. Yep. So <clears throat> what does your yep. work schedule look like now? Have you cut back on your hours? I mean, what does, what does David Hoyt's life look like now? I mean, I'm thinking, you know, you've heard mm-hmm. the phrase before, if you can't play it, coach it. So, uh, you know, the, the gardener's lawn is always a mess. The pastor's kids are always a mess, these types of things. So the life coach is the life coach's life a mess or how does life look different, David? Talk to us. Yeah. So, um, for me, there was, a a solid year journey mm-hmm. of going deep inside myself around purpose, identity, um, true giftedness, um, in a discovery process, as well as facing some of the pain of not clear on identity and the relationship with my dad and a father wound and all that. Um, it was uh, one of the hardest seasons of my life. Hmm. At the same standpoint, I would not trade that year for anything because of what I feel like I learned in it and through it. So on the other side, um, number one is, I, you know, I look at life as a continuous journey. And, and I remember I got great advice um, a little more than a year ago, kind of when I was just in the depths of it and I didn't have clarity on my future. I just, I knew I had this pain and I was, I was beginning to discover things about myself and my journey, but I didn't know what the future looked like. I, I remember sitting down with a, a mentor that I respect a lot. We were talking about this season that I was in. And I remember using the, the term season and he's like, man, don't, don't look at it as a season. It's a part of the journey of life. And I know, I know you don't want to stay here in terms of some of the, just the grief um, and the sadness at the same standpoint, don't see it as a season, just see it as part of your ongoing journey and as a growth moment for what's coming next. And um, I remember there being days, weeks, and even months where I had, I had truth in my head. I just, it was sinking so slowly into my heart, that truth, where there was still sadness and there was grief. And my prayer was, God, just can't we dump this truth into my heart where I believe it in my soul? And it was such a slow process. And I I use the analogy of like coffee dripping. You just kind of want your cup. You want the full thing now. And it was this crazy slow drip of identity um, and overcoming grief that had to take place. Um, so fast forward to today, and I remember a number of months ago then looking back and realizing everything that I wanted in terms of having greater peace um, had happened. It just took a long, slow journey to get there. Life by no means is 
perfect mm-hmm. or cruise control yes. or anything like that. But here's where I think it is different. Um, there is a, uh, for me, surrender was a, a, a big journey. It mm-hmm. re- I realized I began to cling to success. I began to cling to relationships and so forth for identity. And God had to bring me to a place of surrender that I was truly willing to trust him and not willing to trust significant people or other blessings in my life. And so for me, the, the prayer is daily surrender. And I think one of the differences is I, I see where he's leading, calling, directing, providing opportunity, but not holding too tightly to those things. Staying very open-handed with what God has given me and that he can lead in my life wherever he directs me and trusting him more than trusting the things of this world. So your life plan, your life coaching really has been birthed out of your own experience. Yeah. Isn't that so funny? It, yeah. That's go explain that. Yeah, so there was a in last a year ago plus in kind of the the depths of this confusion, lack of clarity, sadness. I can't remember where I read it, but in one some place I came across the statement that you read earlier and it was your redeemed pain is your platform to influence. And I just had, I I felt like it was a God thought. I really did. Like God telling me, I'm taking you through this journey that as you learn and grow through it, you can turn around and offer a hand back to other guys who need to go through this journey. And um, so, yeah, I, I, it it gave me hope uh, in the dark night. It gave me hope um, kind of in the depths that God was going to redeem the pain I was in and that he was going to give me a platform and an opportunity to sow back into the lives of other men from my journey, from some of the pain that I had to face, from some of the mistakes that I made, um, that it would be redeemed. And um, I, I feel like that's taking place. Man, that's so cool. Well, Romans eight twenty eight says, God works all things out for the good for those who are called according to his purpose. That's and right. then uh, I think a friend of yours wrote a book one time called Failing Forward. Yes. And so isn't it funny how when we fail, when we experience loss, when we experience yep. pain, those seem to be the conduits through which God seems to work the best. And so I, I'm really excited to hear that you are doing life coaching based on uh, your experiences. I wouldn't say a failure, but I love the phrase that you use, the dark night. Uh, mm-hmm. and I, I love that. That out of the dark light night comes this bright light. And so, so now I so I want to go back to something you said earlier in the podcast. I think identity is a huge thing for men. Uh, one of the things I like to say is build your life around who you are and not what you do. Uh, and yes. then uh, John Eldridge in his book, Killing Lions, wrote, uh, the questions, who am I and why am I here, are far more important questions than how to get a great job. And so I'm going to come into your organization. I'm going to ask you to coach me, and you're going to help me with my identity. Can you can you walk me through some of these identity questions that you're going to ask? Earlier in the podcast, you talked about uh, finding clarity, uh, understanding, uh, ex- admitting yeah. there's a loss there. And then the lastly is rediscovering. Can you walk us through that as a life yeah. coach, as a life planning yeah. mentor? Yeah. You know, to me, where I like to start with men is simply asking the question, what do they believe that God thinks of them? So and, and just and just seeing what they say. You know, I, I find most men, me included, um, up until recently, 
don't spend a lot of time thinking about that. It's a pretty deep question. And so um, that's that's the tee up question. That kind of puts the ball in the tee. And then depending on where a guy is at with that question, you know, we'll go a lot of different directions. Um, here's for me, after giving that question a lot of thought and studying scripture, reading a number of um, other um, books, is I believe about me that God loves and accepts me just as he made me, warts and all. Mm. Um, and I mentioned that, you know, kind of coming out of approval-based, performance-based environments, that was a game changer for me. And I think I, I before, uh, I had, as I mentioned, some head knowledge around it. Could I maybe just rattle that off in the moment? Yeah. I actually could. But what I realized until I walked away from John's world and my my role as president of the John Maxwell company, it was not heart knowledge. Mm. It was head knowledge, not heart knowledge. So to me, it starts there. As we begin to um, settle our identity and it's, you know, it's it needs to be there's not a cookie cutter answer. There's not a one size fits all answer. I think a guy has to wrestle that to the ground mm. based on his journey, his story, the pain that he's had to walk through and reconcile that. What does he truly believe in his core that God says about him? How does God feel about him? And I don't think it's a quick conversation. Um, I think, you know, I challenge you guys to go get away wherever there are places that they can slow down and, and rest a little bit and unplug wherever that is, spend some time thinking about that question and just journal. You're not trying to come up with the right answer. You're trying to get in touch with what's going on in your heart and your soul and what you believe. And maybe there's some truth there. Maybe there's some lies that need to be overcome. But start with just asking that question. From there, and we mentioned a little bit about, um, you know, out of identity, believe the next step is discovering unique life purpose. Mm -hmm. and, and what we teach and believe in the life plan methodology is how do we find our unique life purpose? It's really at the intersection of two things, our core talents. Those core talents believe are um, given to us essentially at birth. They're hardwired into us. Um, some people never even discover them. I believe everybody has three to five core talents. Some discover, some don't. And so the intersection of what are those? The other intersection is, is your heart. What's your heart passionate about in the world? And when you can discover those two things, it's like going on a treasure hunt of discovering the clues. And when you can find that intersection, typically for somebody, that's their unique life purpose. Believe the core talents don't change. We can either choose to develop them or let them just atrophy. Believe that at different seasons in life, God can redirect the heart. And when we talk about being called to something else, believe that that is God redirecting our heart at certain phases or aspects of life. At the same standpoint, whatever those core talents are, um, we should continue to use them and leverage and maximize them so that we can have the greatest impact. So <clears throat> Rick Warren in his book, Purpose Driven Life, talks about your shape. So uh, acrostic, spiritual gifts, personality, yeah. abilities, which would be talents, yeah. uh, personality, uh, I'm sorry, heart, heart for spiritual gifts, heart, H, A, abilities, P, personality, E, experiences, <clears throat> and those things comprise who you are. I love what you're saying because I'm seeing a bullseye in my eye, uh, in my mind's eye. I'm seeing this crosshairs yeah. with I'm seeing heart and I'm seeing values and where those yeah. intersect. But you're saying 
value uh, talent. What was the phrase you used? Your talent value? Core, <clears throat> core talents. Core talents. Now, here's core here's talents. my question uh, for you because I, I'm I want to just get some clarity here. How is a core talent different from a core value? Okay. So so a talent would be very similar to a strength. Okay. Um, where a, a value is truly what I value. So when we do the two-day life plan experience, we talk about both. We help somebody identify what are their core talents. We also help them identify what are their core values. Believe those things are aligned, uh-huh. um, but but uh, at their essence are, are two different things. Okay, I got you. So you, when you ask these guys, God, when they have to ask God this question, what do you think of me? This would mm-hmm. be hard because you get guys in a room. So you, myself, Dale, add four other guys. The first question I ask you is, what's your name? The second question I ask you is, what do you do? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? Yep. So our yep. lives are yep. wrapped up in our work. So when yep. a guy, when you ask a guy to ask this question of God, what do you think of me, what are their answers? Do they really struggle? This sounds like this would be a real yeah. hard question to wrestle down to the ground. Yeah, it is. Most guys have not given it a lot of thought. Yeah. Some honestly don't have an answer. I mean, and, and that's okay. There's no wrong answer. You know, I yeah. just want to know where, where are we starting? Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of guys, it, it is very difficult to answer. You, very, very few people have given it much thought. If they have, um, my, my next question is, do you really believe that? Like if somebody just kind of spouts something off, you know, I want to, I want to dive deeper. Do you really believe that? But for most guys, it's pretty difficult to answer. Yeah. And, and, and very self-admittedly, they'll say, I, I don't know. Yeah. I haven't thought a lot about that. Um, so so then the encouragement is start to, to dive into those things. Um, a book that I now recommend that, that men read even before we go through um, the life plan experience um, is, oh, shoot, now watch me forget it. In this horrible. <laughs> Who wrote it? Uh, oh, true, true identity uh, or true measure of a man. True measure of a man. Ooh, I, let's order that book. And, and I do not forget uh, who wrote it because it's Richard E. Simmons, not the guy in spandex, <laughs> but Richard Richard E. Simmons. Is his hair uh, curly? True, true measure. Does of he a have man. a Malcolm Gladwell? Haircut? I, you know what? I need to like look him up. I've never actually done that. Um, but Richard E. Simmons, True Measure of a Man. Oh, that's awesome! I'm going to order that book. Well, you made a comment earlier that I, really intrigued me. You and I agree with you, man. That we all have a unique purpose in life but but let's go back a step and i think men get locked here because we also have a general purpose the 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 bible lists out here's the purpose i have for you man and i think men get wrapped up in their careers and they just they get into this general purpose of my life they put this box around themselves and i think they get to midlife and they go whoa if this is it this is not enough and they yeah. fail to realize their unique purpose. We had a guy in a small group I ran with my ministry, the Great Hunt for God, said he was a 73-year-old man. He said, I've been a Christian for 40 years. I have no idea what my purpose is. And mm-hmm. so to me, moving from the general box into that very unique smaller box is right. life-changing. And uh, yeah. is it, this is what you're helping these guys do, right? You're yeah. saying, okay, yeah. you're going to move from the general population of humanity and you're yeah. going to, like the Enterprise and James T. Kirk, venture into this deeper <laughs> realm, right? Is that what you're doing? Yeah. Yeah. You know, the one part that I skipped over that you just touched on. So we talk first about identity. Then we talk about general life purpose. Uh-huh. If you're a believer, what does God call all of us as believers to? Yeah. And then where we really drill down the discovery process 
is what is your unique life purpose. And that's where, how has God wired you? How has he gifted you? And then how has he directed your heart? That, and that will be the secret, or that'll be how we will discover that unique life purpose. That's so good, man. I do a training on discovering your mission, and they come up with a 40-word mission for their mm-hmm. life based on some of the things that you're doing here. And that, I think there's a freedom that comes when a person understands that. But you had talked earlier about moving from the head to the heart. Does yeah. that happen through surrender? Is, yeah. that, is, that, I, is that the conduit there? Absolutely. And walk me through that. How do I surrender daily to my heart? It's a great question. So for me, surrender comes out of brokenness. Oh, that's so good. I I don't know. So I can't, I can't answer the question. Could somebody get to a place of true surrender without brokenness? I know for me, I couldn't. It took brokenness in order to get to surrender. It came, it, it, it was, Coming to the end of myself, actually, in the world's eyes, accomplishing some pretty cool things, realizing that even in spite of the external success, internally, there was not the deep joy, peace, fruit of the spirits that um, I craved, then leading me to a place of brokenness. And it was out of brokenness that I found and discovered surrender, truly come to the end of myself. And so for me now, is I have purpose, is, is kind of, quote, get back on the feet. I, you know, one of my big epiphanies in, in, in the season of brokenness was, God, help me never to wander. Help me never to, quote, become self-sufficient again, that I kind of think I can do this on my own. And so every day, part of my prayer life is, is that, just, God, I surrender to you again today. Help me not to control my life. Help me to trust you to bring the relationships that I should be investing, to bring the clients that I should be working with. Help me not to worry, lose sleep over those things, knowing that you love me just as you made me and you're going to provide the opportunities. I could give you, I don't know if we want to get into book recommendations, but I've got several that have been transformational for me, um, kind of on this journey of discovery. Man, that, yeah, I mean, let's get into that in a second here. That is so good. You know, I, I, as you were talking, uh, David, I, I was reminded of a quote that says, the problem with a self-made man is he worships his creator. Mm. And, and that is a scary place to be because yeah. if life is as big as the box that we make it, we have a pretty pathetic life. I think you're, I think John Maxwell once said, if, if your dream only requires you to fulfill it, that's a pretty small dream. And yep, so God is sure. wired. I believe God has wired us for greatness. One of the things that uh, I've recently discovered, I had this epiphany about a month, two months ago now, where it really was life changing for me, where I realized that all of my life, because of a performance based mentality, if you put me in a room with guys, I would start keeping score. Yeah. And I've heard statements before that leaders keep score. And I think that's a very secular phrase because I don't think that Christian leaders keep score. And so mm-hmm. my thought was, if, if I need validation from people, then that means I'm not getting validation from God, so, or I'm not receiving it. So if I walk in a room and I go, okay, i gotta be, I got to compete with David Hoyt, I've got to compare myself to David Hoyt, I'm going to be cynical of David Hoyt, I'm going to be critical of David Hoyt, what happens is I put myself on the hamster wheel, yep. right? Sure. And I create this vicious circle uh, of of my comparisons, and I, I'm assuming that's kind of what happened to you, right? You're climbing the top of the Absolutely. corporate ladder. You realize, yep. crap, I'm on the wrong building. Yep, that's exactly it. 
you know, every, so everything from kind of uh, raised and what was just instilled in me. For me, one of my strengths is competition. <laughs> and man, if you're competing against the wrong thing, if you're competing against others and what you said, com- comparing, like it just takes you on the wrong journey. And it, it, we will never, never find the fulfillment that we want when we're measuring our success or measuring our accomplish, accomplishments up against other people. Wow, bro. So my strengths are this. I found my test. Strate- strategic, yep. significance, command, learner, and wait for it, competition. I'll look at that. So we got we got two of the same. Yeah. I wish I had significance. I'm a little can you be jealous of a strength? Like I wish I had that. Uh, <laughs> well, you had one of yours. I'm like, dang it, I want that one. <laughs> Maybe we should wrestle for it. So no. Yes. Uh, man, well, so what are some of the books you recommend, well, man? Actually, I was gonna ask, uh, if you could do this, I'm going to send you a follow-up email right after this podcast. And if you could text or email me over those books, we're going to put them in this podcast in the information area. And when right. it goes on social media, we'll also put them there for the our men in the arena to get a hold of these books, read them. And I already, while you guys were talking, I already ordered two books um, that you suggested, and they're going to be on the way. So we're going to read those books. So. Man, I'll tell you what, uh, I know this is a podcast, we're supposed to be all business, but uh, I just want to say, David, uh, I appreciate your heart, man. And when I looked at your picture on uh, your webpage with your family, I saw your eyes, and I, I didn't think they were pretty or anything, but I just thought, this guy's got life. He's got life in his eyes. And St. Arrhenius said, and this is a life-changing quote for me, he said, the glory of God is man fully alive. And the look I saw in your face and the look I see today tells me, that you're alive. And so, man, I am, I'm really grateful to have you on our podcast. Well, so, thank you. So, uh, what, give me some last, give me a last, uh, little bit of advice here. We're running real short on time. So, sure. uh, if I'm one of our men in the arena here and, and you're talking to me, give me one piece of advice to get me off that hamster wheel. Here's, here's what I would recommend. If there's something pinging in a man right now as he's here in this conversation is I would challenge them to get away for eight hours without an agenda other than to really try to listen to their heart. I, I realized, so going back, I mentioned that life plan experience. Oh, two, I got in a, a good habit. I think of every year taking a day and kind of reviewing my life plan for the next, but here was my epiphany. I was a really good planner, meaning I was really good at forward thinking. I was very poor at really deep self-reflection of what's going on inside of me. Oh, and it hit, a, it, it hit a, a, the season of brokenness in order to kind of almost force me to finally look inside. So my, my recommendation, my, my piece of advice for men would be to take eight hours. For me, it's getting out in the woods. I know that's not everybody. Um, go wherever. Um, but go without an agenda. Don't plan for the future. Don't try to figure things out. Simply get in touch and in tune with what's going on in your heart and soul and what's there. Journal it. Write it. Nobody's going to read it. Nobody's grading it. Nobody's judging it. It's what is going on inside of my heart. And just see see what's there. I think when you can get it out, chances are there's probably going to be some pain, some grief that um, probably have not fully dealt with. And then figuring out a plan to begin to deal with that. Um, there may be some dreams. I, I talk to a lot of men these days. They've built a successful career. They have a lot of family obligations. There's something in their heart that they wish they could do, but they don't see a pathway to get there. 
Therefore, they just keep, they stay on the hamster wheel. They keep going in the same direction, even though they're not passionate about it. And, and my challenge to them is just take a baby step to the area of your passion. God's wow. not going to give you the whole roadmap at the beginning. But I believe as you start to take baby steps toward it, he will open doors of opportunity um, that will not be revealed to you unless you're willing to step out and take small steps of faith toward it. Final thing I would say, and I think you asked me for one, and I'm giving a couple. Um, <laughs> I'm writing is, them all uh, down, though, bro. <laughs> is community. Man, I believe in the power of linking arms with other men um, who have some of the same passion for life and want to be all that God has created them and called them to be, and just getting in in community and not community where we sit around and talk about our accomplishments and what we were just talking about a minute, we kind of subtly compete with each other. Mm -hmm. Um, we're willing to be authentic and vulnerable with one another, celebrate the highs, um, but be there and extend great grace, um, in, in the lows. And I think we all crave that as men. And I think way too few men, um, have those kind of relationships in their life. Gosh, that's so good, man. Hey, so, so get off the hamster wheel guys. Go in without an agenda and write stuff down. You know, I, I love the quote by Joe Lewis. You only have one life to live, but if you do it right, once is enough. And and David, I'm gonna guess you I'm gonna because I know you're a John Maxwell guy, I'm gonna I'm gonna guess the day that you go and do your eight hour retreat. Can I guess it? Yes, go for it. Give me a week just give me a week in just within a week. It's between Christmas and New Year's. That's exactly ah! it. <laughs> I do the same I'm a thing. I'm guy. What can I say? I know me too. I do the same thing. So it's perfect timing. So I don't know. Eight hours feels like a short time, but man, that's all. I really appreciate this stuff. Uh, you've given us a world of stuff to think about. Heartfelt, which has uh, given you such a tremendous strength. And I appreciate that. And so our guys can go and learn more about you and what you're doing through davidshoyt.com. And hopefully you'll get a few phone calls. So man, uh, Thank you so much for coming on our podcast today. Hey, thanks for having me. Really, really enjoyed it. Man, it's been fun. So, hey, guys, you've been listening to uh, the Man Card Podcast. Helping us transform the lives of men and those they love is as easy as one, two, three. Listen to the podcast. Share it with your friends. Write a positive review. Hey, guys, keep us informed. Any topics you'd like to talk about or any guys you'd like us to interview, let us know. We want to do whatever we can to help you to become the best version of you. Uh, keep us informed by going to our Contact Us icon on the free Great Unforgot app or on our website, guys. So, uh, hey, I'm excited about our Men in the Arena closed Facebook group. We just started this thing. We're hoping for 30,000 guys in the next couple of years to get on this thing. It'll be an open forum for you to discuss your identity, uh, the books that we're going to put on there uh, that David is going to recommend to us, all these types of things. We'll do some live training. Uh, we're looking forward to that. So go and make sure you sign up to that group. It is a closed group. So, guys, until we meet again, we'll see you in the arena where you're going to get dirty, grind it out, and be a man. This is Dale Culver, and you've been listening to the Man Card Podcast. Has your man card been challenged today? If you hunger to be the best version of a man, then purchase your own copy of the Field Guide, our bathroom book for men. Jim wrote this book for men who don't read books. It's a daily study of manly words explained with great stories. You will find enough entries to read one a day for an entire year. That's right, 365 daily readings on what a man is and does. Get your copy for you and your friends on our website at thegreathuntforgod.com. You will also find our five-book man card series. 
grab several copies, recruit some friends, and champion the cause for men today. We are a donor-supported, nonprofit organization with the mission to transform the lives of men and those they love. If today's podcast has inspired you, consider being a financial champion by going to the Great Hunt for God and click the Give link in the menu drop-down. Also, download the Great Hunt for God app today. It is available in all the app stores for all devices. It has videos, podcasts, our store, and many other links to the world of the Great Hunt for God. Thank you for listening, and good hunting. What type of dad are you? Guys, in my 35 years of ministry, I've noticed that guys basically fall into two categories. And in those categories, there are four types of dad or four phases that you pass through as a dad. We just dropped an amazing quiz to help you discover what type of dad you are. Find out what type of father you are and get our custom resources fit to meet the needs and the questions you are asking. Head on over to menarena.org. Join 20,000 men for around the world and find out the type of dad you are.